Hey, Nancy. How are you? Good. How are you, Aaron? I'm doing good. Thanks for being here with us on five o'clock on Wednesday. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for asking me. Um, yeah. So Nancy Monteith is a landscape architect, and she works for the uh, Public Lands Department at Salt Lake City currently. Yes. And she likes plants. <laughs> and we're going to ask her 20 questions today in the studio. So this is De Design Like City, 20 questions on Design Like City. Let's get to it. Great. Okay, first set of questions are kind of quicker, rapid-fire questions. Okay. So the first question I want to ask you is a little tricky. Which activity would you turn into an Olympic sport for which you would win the gold? Planting design. Planting and I think I'd have to train. I mean, I, I, it's something that I would want to uh, hone my skills even more to win. Mm. How and long, it's a worthy sport. How many years would you have to train to win the gold? Forever. <laughs> start, I don't know. start at age three. Uh, uh, I don't know. I think you train and then you perform when uh -huh. you're ready to perform, and every time it's a it's a different opportunity. Are there opponents that you're already like like imagining that are going to be in your way? No. Okay, you got this. Okay, question number two. Do you have a favorite quote? Uh to forget the self is to be enlightened by the 10,000 things. And that's a mm. Buddhist quote. And it's really saying, um, if you can stop your own story and you can let go of your own ideas, you're much more aware of what's going on in the world and you're a lot more present. And I mm. feel like design is so much about seeing your world and responding to it. And being present is a huge part of that. Mm. I like that. Third question. What is something everyone should try, do or try at least once in their life? I think everyone should go to Holland and bike around the country ah. to experience the freedom of moving around so easy and so pleasurably and on a bicycle. This. Yes. Okay. My mom is Dutch and immigrated here as an adult. So I've been to Holland quite a few times and, um, you know, design, mm. how cities come together, so much of that, those experiences have influenced my outlook. Mm, that's cool. So um, is, is, is there like a bike trip that you can like latch onto or do you just recommend kind of like going rogue and getting a bike? And So um, the entire country is covered with separated bike lanes, completely separate from roads. Oh, wow. And you Even can get anywhere. Like I town went to town, town like... all over the country. Oh, wow. You can get a set of maps that are just bike routes. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I lived in Amsterdam for a summer and I took a shopping bike. So it has no speeds. Okay. I rode it from Amsterdam to Bremen, Germany. So it was a three-day trip Dang. and uh, a lot of it on separated bike lanes. There were a couple campgrounds. Once I camped in a park okay. <laughs> under a picnic table. Rebel. But uh, yeah, it was really great. And then just being able to get all over the city. Mm. And I think you experience your environment in such an intimate way you, you really feel a part of the community when you're on a bicycle mm, okay i'm definitely sold that's yes. on my like to-do list now okay so the fourth question is about about you getting to know you and some of your um background the question is how did you get your start 
and we're cu- we're curious about like your early you know jobs and um, training. Well. Okay. Um, well, when I was in high school, I decided I was going to be a civil engineer. Okay. Because my father was an engineer, and it seemed like a very prudent path. Mm. And so I went to college and started in civil engineering, and I was intrigued with bridges and all of that sort of thing. And you can imagine it's pretty—it's probably one of the closer things to landscape architecture. Yeah, still creative. Yeah, and then um, it didn't—felt a little rigid. Mm. So I explored a lot of different things, and I ended up— switching to fine arts. And so I graduated. I started college in civil Uh engineering and graduated in fine arts. Okay, that's an extreme I don't think my father was very pleased, (laughs) but he he still built my painting frames for me. So we were still talking. (laughs) But um, I, what I really, I think what I really wanted and what fine arts gave me was this idea this opportunity to think through projects and execute them. Hmm. And it was more from an artistic standpoint than a design standpoint, but you, you choose something you want to explore a theme or an idea Mm -hmm. and you try to figure out how to convey it. And then you're also learning a whole set of skills. And I did a lot of photography and painting. And so I did fine arts. And then after that, um, it felt very uh, interior-focused in many ways. So I got really interested in ecology. Okay. So I studied ecology um, and worked as a field tech in New Mexico in the deserts doing grassland studies. So it was really opposite ends of the spectrum, but was so interested in how um, systems come together and just being outside and engaged in the world. And then I had a... A good friend who said, you know, you should really look into landscape architecture because it's ecology and art together. Did you know what it was before that point? You know, when I was in college, I took an inter-survey test. And one of the things that came out was landscape architecture. Uh And I didn't know what it was, but I thought, I don't want to do parking lots and suburban lawns. Yeah, fair enough. So I kind of discounted it Mm -hmm. and it took me... A decade to come back. (laughs) So then I went to graduate school uh, for landscape architecture at Utah State. And you can get a master's degree in landscape architecture when you have a bachelor's degree in any, almost any other field. Because uh, the profession really values this broad experience Mm. because they all relate to designing our environment. Right. So after landscape architecture school... I moved to Salt Lake and uh, worked for a consulting firm, Design Workshop, where we worked together. Right. Where we we first met and worked there for quite a while and uh, did a bunch of things. Also uh, taught for a year at Utah State. And now, um, I think more recently, I got really interested in public spaces Hmm. and how do we create public spaces for people to enjoy. Mm. So that's why I'm working in the public sector. Okay, cool. Um, but still keeping your passion for planting yes. alive. Do you get to do much planting design uh, these days? Like kind of in uh, in your nine to five or? Uh, Sometimes. Okay. I mean, what, I, what I've been doing is uh, I collaborate with Urban Forestry to look at how we can strategically plant new trees in our parks mm. to add more structure 
to them, kind of like a refresh. But mm. yeah, and then um, we also just redid the front garden at the city and county building with WaterWise plants. And oh, cool. it, it's really gratifying to hear how many people love the space mm. and go through there. And one of the things that I had really hoped to achieve is that we have a range of perennials that bloom at different times. <clears throat> and so every morning when you walk through this garden, you experience something slightly different. Mm. And so That's those are two really examples. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say I do it in my nine to five. Yeah. I do it a lot in my uh, personal life and uh -huh. I think about it a lot and yeah. I do have done some private gardens, which I also really enjoy. Right. So, yes, I influence a little bit planting design. You're still training <laughs> for, for the Olympics. Yes, for the planting. Olympic sport. Awesome. Question five. Yes. Do you have a favorite design that you've created in your design career? Oh, you know, all these questions about absolutes are really hard. I, I would say Maybe just the design that I'm enjoying the most right now is my own garden. Yeah. And I think that's because, um, you know, I, I recently bought a new house about five years ago and the, uh, the backyard was, I think, everyone who had lived there before, their idea about... Um, the design of the backyard was adding a little more concrete. Mm. So I spent a lot of time and energy taking out uh, this patchwork of concrete oh. and an old deck and remade the entire thing. And uh, it was fun to think about how, I guess for me, landscape architecture and design is just trying to find ways to use as many plants as I can, mm. and how do I move people through spaces so they experience the plants? And yeah, how yeah. do the plants and the experience of the space change over the seasons and over the years? Mm. And, I, and that's what is so endlessly intriguing about planting design, is that you're working with your, your medium is living materials, and they are you know, so much of it is tending it and it happens over time. Mm. You don't, when you execute a design and you plant everything, it's really just started in some ways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's so, in, in its infancy. Yeah. And, it's and I, through adolescence. Yes. And, and I think sometimes we get so focused on an end product that what's fun about you know, I, I guess I consider my own space almost like a studio. Mm -hmm. It's my outdoor studio to explore ideas oh, cool. and contemplate different things and and really see it as a work in progress rather mm -hmm. than an endpoint. I like that, where you can experiment. Yes. Um, so how can we see photos? <laughs> Do you post photos of this <laughs> You know, I should, okay. but... Uh, I could do that. Right. If you'd like me to, I would do that for you. Well, I mean, I'm just so yes. curious now. Like, I haven't been able to visit yet in, the, in a, a couple of years. So, yeah. Um, but, and maybe our listeners would be interested too. Yes, like, I, can show, I can show some pictures. We'll find a way. Yes. I know. That's the thing about these podcasts is like, they're, we're talking about design. It's like so visual. Like, you want to see this stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. So, next question. What advice would you give to your, your younger design self? 
not to be so worried about the end product mm. and to enjoy the process and to have fun. I think yeah. I've spent a lot of time being very serious and concerned about, you know, the outcome and, uh, is in some ways that's a really good thing because it drives you to learn more and push harder. Mm -hmm. But I, but the joy of being passionate about something and seeing it more as a process and an exploration right. is, I think, a lot more fruitful. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, enjoy the passion yes. part of it. You know, it's yes. not about the end. Enjoy your life. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, do you have some, like, goals as a designer or, or skills you want to, like, continue developing as a designer from, from here? Yeah, I mean... I uh, I saw this um, really wonderful talk this summer, so inspiring. And the woman, uh, she was Rebecca, I'll have to get her name. She is the director of horticulture at the Brooklyn Bridge Park, and oh. she does ecological horticulture. Mm. And she is really oriented about around um, the plant-pollinator interaction. Hmm. And one of the things that she said that was so funny is she was talking about bee balm, Minarda, and it has, you know, a lot of things. Bees come to it, things like that. But she was really excited when the plant found its pollinator because then the plants get to have sex. <laughs> yeah. And then plants can adapt to a changing climate. Mm. And we don't think about the role of pollinators and plants and how we need to be mindful of uh, how these things work together and how mm -hmm. instrumental they are in creating and surviving, really. Yeah, I just heard this anecdote, and I can't tell you where from. It was like my wife told me. She'd seen it somewhere that, that scientists are saying that, that bees are the most important like species on the planet. Yes. Like that just hands down. Like, yes. They are the most important. I was like, okay, that's cool. I'm glad. I'm glad we've all agreed. <laughs> well, you know? if you like to eat food, <laughs> if you like to live, if you like to eat food, you need your bees. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you should ask the design trend question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where is that? Hold on, I have to like find that. Um, what? Oh, the design trend. You hope for 2020. Dies? No, oh, the that, one that coming that up because it's totally gotcha. related, which okay. I think is going to be pollinator gardens. Okay. Because people are getting more and more awareness right. about the role of bees in our lives. And, mm. you know, it's with so many things that are, um, as we start to lose them, they become more valuable. And why does it take that? Mm. But I hear more and more that people want to see pollinator gardens, which is really a flowering garden yeah. that has a range of species that a, that provides habitat for bees over the course of the summer. Gotcha. And I'm hearing it here and there, and mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. I hear it from people saying they want to see it more. Yeah. And it might still be a subculture, but I think it's going to be a trend. I like that. 2020 trend. Yes. Pollinator gardens. <laughs> and what would you put in there? Like, I think of lavender for some reason. Like, bees lavender, love lavender is huge. Yeah. And one of the things that I learned just recently, <clears throat> which is another related to design is we really have to check our bias at the door and be open and continually learn things because I think we tend to look at 
um, if we were going to put together a flower, like a flower garden for bees, we might want to put in a whole range of things and mm-hmm. colors and types. Yep. And I read recently that what bees really need is a large patch of a similar color huh. because they have to be able to navigate the landscape and find it. Oh, right. So from far away, they're like, hmm, there yes. it is. So we... That's cool. So we, we need to really understand the systems uh, in order to effectively... Uh, respond to them mm. in a meaningful way. Mm. Okay, so you help me like redesign our garden. Yes, to, <laughs> be, you want a little more pollinator a- habitat. Yeah, I think so. Okay, and I don't want to like train the kids that bees are okay, bees are yes. safe. Mm. Okay, so another question for you. Yes, among others, where do you get your best ideas? I think it's really being on the site mm. because. You know, hopefully, as a designer, you've spent a lot of time creating a mental catalog, which acts as a tool in and of itself. And then when you're on the site, you kind of rely on that vocabulary to respond to Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. And I think often um, in the practice of things like and maybe it's more specific to something like landscape architecture when you're doing planting design that is so important to be responsive to that immediate place. Mm. And how do you want people to move through it? What do you want them to experience? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the views? What, mm-hmm. are, what are the things that you want to um, block? Yeah. And... You can't really do that by looking at a plan and sitting at your desk. Yeah. That it's so, so important to move through the space. Mm, I like that. Just going, yeah, going, being being in the context, being mm-hmm. in the environment. And that's, I feel like that if you are going to be a landscape architect, that's something you look forward to. Yes. I would think. So yes. have that chance, right, yes. to get out of the office. Yes. <laughs> but I would say also, you know, the question I get, a lot is what do you do in the winter? So there's still a lot of misconceptions about landscape architecture that um, we are, you know, it's a misunderstood profession, what we do and how we do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, maybe we can shed a little light on it, you know, this afternoon, but but, um, through, through the questions and whatever. Um, A few more rapid questions. Sure. So, um, if not a designer, what would you be? An artist. And what what kind of artist? Painter. Oil paints? Yes. <laughs> I like oil painting because you can, it, it's sort of mushy and responsive. Mm. You can, you can work in in it for a while. And uh, when I switched from civil engineering to art, I went to painting and uh, loved it. And I, in many ways, you are, well, I guess it depends what kind of painting you are, but painter you are, but you're still, you are creating a space on a canvas, mm. whether it's a really short space, if you're doing a portrait or a very big space. Mm. And so you're employing a lot of the same skills by understanding perspective and space and framing and uh, conceptualization. 
So they they're really close for me. Mm, okay. So speaking of trends, is there a design trend that you hope dies? Zero escape. Zero escape. <laughs> zero so, escape. Yes. So a lot of people. So the there is a word zero escape. Yeah. And zero x e r i means dry. So uh, it's water wise. Yeah. And I think if you've only heard the word, mm-hmm. you might think it says zero escape, which is nothing. And um, there's this. A lot of people feel like if you do a zero escape or a zero escape, you don't need any water. It doesn't need any care. Mm. And I think that's that's complete fallacy. It's even, I mean, zero gardens need tending like everything else. Right. And um, one of the things, you know, uh, I think a lot of people very well-meaning, I did it myself. I took up my entire park strip, but I had a street tree and uh, the top 18 inches of the soil have something like 90% of a tree roots. Mm. And so my street tr- my tree died. Oh, no. So I had to replace it. But I think people don't really realize when they take up their park strip that that happens sometimes. That the trees still need water. And yes. Tree need needs tending. And plants need, they need care. Mm. And they're, um, I think... For all the reasons we talked about before, pollinators, quality yeah. of life, you know, plants are just an essential component to a livable city. Right. So, like, zero escapes, kind of like a cop-out, it feels, it feels like. Yeah, that idea that if you do that, you don't need to take care of it and you don't need to water yeah. it is a misconception. Right. Okay. I like that. All right, so the next section is about your creative process. And I have a few questions to ask okay. you about your creative process. So first of all, what, which designer do you look up to the most? You know, again, I couldn't think of one. I know, it's hard. <laughs> but I had I, three came to mind. Perfect. Uh, maybe four, but uh, that I really admire and like what they brought to the discipline. And the first one is Michael Van Valkenburg. Okay, yeah. And he uh, does a lot of very large projects, including large public parks. And the thing that he does really well is incorporate systems design into his projects. And one of the ones that he's done recently that I have spent a lot of time um or I should say I've admired, is there's a whole series of new parks, and one of them is the Brooklyn Bridge Park, and it was an old shipping pier Mm. that couldn't be used for that use anymore, and they converted it into a park. Mm. And so they he did the overall design, and they imported um, engineered soil. Mm. Is this a recent... Project yes, or? I think it was built 2010. Okay, fairly recent. Yeah, and they engineered soil, brought mm-hmm. it all in, and um, had incorporated native plants, native plant systems. Um, as you enter the park, they use more familiar horticultural native, or horticultural species that 
people would recognize. And then as you get deeper into the park, it gets a little wilder and crazier. Nice. And this is the park that um, there's an ecological horticulture person who runs or works in that and is really mm. trying to bring together these plant and insect insect interactions and part of it is how do we manage the plants mm. to make spaces for the insects that are so important in the system cool. and the park was designed to withstand events and it survived um you know pretty significant events and it was underwater by four feet uh hurricane sandy yes okay and it's come back and cool. so you know, as we talk about a lot of these pressing issues we're facing, how do we design landscapes in a way that can withstand large events that can be adaptable and resilient in mm. a in a changing climate? I like that. Okay, Michael Van Valkenburg. Val- yeah. um, the second one is uh, Pete Oldoof, okay. and he is Dutch. Okay, so of course. Um, he really, I think made people fall in love with gardens mm. again. And he's the designer of the High Line, which a oh, lot wow. of people might be familiar with. Right. And he really looks at the whole life cycle of the plant, that plants, when they are dead, add as much interest in structure as when they are blooming or when they are growing. Mm. And so does these incredible drifts of plants that are continually changing. Cool. And he really, planting design is his thing. And he also did a lot with, um, you know, growing the plant. He had his own nursery. He had his own, he had a garden that he experimented Mm -hmm. and then has done quite a few large public commissions, including also Millennium Park. There's the garden there as well. Um, And then the third person is Andrea Cochran, who... um, she uses plants in a very simple way. And I think what she does is she finds the exact plant that meets the criteria and uses it in large massing in an, in order to create spaces. Mm. So she wants an edge and she'll get olive trees or she wants, um, you know, a medium ground plane. So there's a big drift of ornamental grasses, but it's usually one species. So she really refines and makes things very simple Mm. um, in order to create spaces and experiences. So Mm -hmm. each each one of them does one particular thing very well. (laughs) That's so cool. They're like all worth following up on for sure. Um, Okay, next question. What's your favorite part of the design process? I really like getting started. Okay, that's cool. (laughs) Um, What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah, really figuring out what the problem is and coming up with some ideas and honing in on um, the design and the shape of the spaces. Mm -hmm. And I think, like I said before, like with my garden... My own garden, I spent a lot of time thinking about all the different ways I wanted to use it and how to move around it. And then the spaces that were left for plants are more um, this continuing discovery over time to mm. kind of play with. Yeah. 
Mm. But um, it's that, that back and forth. But I love the beginning part. That's super cool. Um, okay, leave it at that. How important is drawing or sketching in your process? And like, how do how do you use drawing? You know, and and maybe how have you in the past? But yeah, like talk, talk about sketching in your process. You know, I think it's one of it for a designer. It is the most important part of the process. And I imagine there are people who who work with all digital tools and they feel similarly. But for yeah. me, it's really pencil and paper or sketchbook yeah. and playing around with ideas and, and uh, sketching things out. And one thing, um, when I went to graduate school... I went through the entire program and finished before CAD was on the scene. Oh, wow. And so we did all of our projects by hand and coming, and drafting. Yeah. yeah, coming from um, an art background, that was a really easy access for me. But right. you, you can tell immediately how resolved the ideas are by looking at the quality of the drawing. Hmm. And I think it's a lot harder to do that with digital type tools because when you're, if you're doing concepts in, in AutoCAD, it looks done sometimes before it's done because right. the lines are very clear huh. and it's very hard line. But when you are doing things by hand, it slows you down and it makes you think a lot more. Mm. And I think it was one of my teachers who said something like, first, you're drawing with the shoulder, you know, big ideas. And then you're drawing with the elbow. You're refining. Then you're drawing with the wrist. Ooh. And you can imagine how that correlates with the refinement of a design process. Yeah. And uh, I did, I taught for a year at Utah State. And um, I remember at the planning and planting design that I said we were going to do everything by hand. And it was an insurrection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. But which is crazy. Like, I who doesn't want to like you know be forced to? You know, use I don't know. People no. feel different. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm not a. And digi- there's comfort zones. Yeah. And stuff. yeah, I'm not a digital native. Yeah, I think for people who are, it's a very different thing. And yeah. I certainly marvel at people's uh, dexterity with digital tools, and mm-hmm. now with you know SketchUp and other 3D modeling. Yeah. You can do so much. Mm. And uh, I think they can be used in a similar way. But drawing is so immediate. And to be able to, you know, sit down with someone or even with yourself and sketch something out quickly, I think it's that hand-eye coordination is really important. Mm. And understanding of scale and proportion mm-hmm. and being able to do that with your hand. Yeah, I heard once, you know, like you you kind of have to be able to do it by hand before you can do it on the computer is, is the idea. Like yeah. you kind of, there's a process to making a form and you kind of need to know how to do that. Yeah, it's like walking before driving. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. And like what you said about the, sometimes digital can feel too complete. And It feels gonna, dumb before you're really done. Right. And if you show that to somebody, they're going to think that, as well, right? Mm-hmm. You show that to a client or your, mm-hmm. you know, manager or boss. They're mm-hmm. gonna say, "Oh, you know, you, oh, you've completed the idea, and here yeah. it is, right?" And you're like, "No, I'm still beginning." Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And, and writers say too that, um, 
you know, being able to write on the computer has ch- completely changed the way people, their com- writing process. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just different. Yeah, that's, you know? that's fascinating. So kind of like a related question. Um, question 16 is about your favorite tool or like if you have a favorite tool that you'd like to advocate. <laughs> Should I say on- plants? <laughs> yeah. Pla- no, plants I first. would say uh, my sketchbook and yeah. like a mechan- I've, I've gotten into mechanical pencils. Oh, really? I do like, you know, nice pens. Yeah. Designers are all picky about their pens, but a pencil has a nice feeling on the paper. Yeah, mechanical pencils are so sharp. Yes. You have to be careful on trace paper. I, that's right. true, and yeah. you're, that's true. So on uh, tra- trace paper, I guess it depends what stage I'm at. Yeah. I like the, I've always liked the red and blue pencils with the erasers. And yeah. The, um, yeah. Those pr- what are the Prisma color pencils? Prisma color, the ones yes. that can erase. Uh, yes. And, and they don't bleed. I think that's yes. the nice thing. They don't bleed on your hands, right? So yeah, I like I like all the hand. I'm very much an analog person. Yeah. That's great. We need like more of you <laughs> in the world. Okay, so the next section is uh, pontification. Okay. Question 17. What does contemporary, in terms of design, mean to you? Uh, I did think about this question, and I would say it means that you are aware of the history of your profession and you are cognizant in what you are doing, that you are responding in part to the time that you're in, but cognizant of the history hmm. and where you came from. Okay. And whether that's, you know, uh, appropriation or um, irony, huh. I think you can only start to employ those things if you understand where you came from. And that's contemporary. Right. How can you know what contemporary is if you don't know what it, what it isn't? Kind of right. Or where it's been. Right. We're, we're, we are all... As we practice, we are continuing the story of this profession and how are we, how are our contributions furthering the field? Huh. That's good. How do you describe bad design in general? Trite. Trite. <laughs> or bad design, I think, is just. Um, you know, it, if it hasn't been well considered or, mm. you know, I think it's, it's to whom also. Yeah. And, you know, I th- design really needs to solve a problem, but it has the opportunity to um, reveal beauty. Hmm. So all of those things. Um, if it's not, if it's not. I think it, it's probably easier to see bad design. A lot of times particularly with a landscape, if it's really good design, I don't think it comes across as design as much as a it's a it's a beautiful space you like to be in. Right. If right. that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. It's not it just feels good. It's not necess- yeah, it feels good. Yeah. If it doesn't feel good, there's our definition. <laughs> it's bad design. Yeah. Trite try is a good word. It makes me think like um maybe predictable or Yes. Like so a stereotype to, or, yeah. or uh, too much. Yeah, expected. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I think also there's a lot of design in our world that's very necessary and it needs to serve the purpose. And 
It needs to solve the problem that you set out to address. Right. And so even your problem could be kind of kind of trite in a way. Like if you're not if you're not if you, if the problem you're trying to address isn't very interesting, or you know. Yeah. If prob- or if, if you haven't defined it well. Yeah. I think it's in the definition of the problem. Right. Because sometimes, you know, with landscape, there's um, the tendency to think you're only going to the border of the site. But in many ways, you should be responding to things much larger than the site itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that comes in with the definition of the problem. Mm So what is true creativity to you? It's a tricky question. It is. And I think it's being open to the possibilities Hmm. and being fresh. Yeah. And it kind of relates, that does relate to you. I think when you asked me about my favorite quote and I said, or a quote, um, about forgetting yourself Mm -hmm. and, really being engaged with your task is creativity Mm. and not self-censoring so much or worrying so much about it's, it's the joy of exploration. I like that. Yeah. Just free flowing, letting it go. And being very purposeful through it. It's like a directed flow. Yes. Yes. Okay. And being open. Yeah, that's good. Um, so another question kind of outside of design that I wanted to ask you was, um, yeah, what, what do you do outside of, of your design practice um, that you consider to be positively influential, influential to your design chops and your design practice? Um, so about seven years ago, I joined a meditation group practice and uh i think it's made a huge influence on my life on every aspect of my life and Uh i think the essential part of it is um it's a training like so many of these things that we're talking about it's a training it's a it's a discipline and it's a training Mm -hmm. it's dedicating your life to a practice and it is um in the pursuit of dropping your thoughts and your preconceptions, your ideas and your stories so that you can be present Mm. and open. And I think mostly I'm not very good at it, (laughs) (laughs) but I keep doing it. And, you know, with a lot of things, it's always good to have a teacher and a community. Right. I was going to ask, like, how does the the group kind of work into it? You, you have like a community. So I have a that, teacher yeah. and I have a group that yeah. I practice with. And um, we also do long retreats. Okay. So sometimes Retreat a weekend, sometimes up to a whole week. That's cool. And you're kind of accountable to each other to c- continue practicing. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. And um, what I appreciate is the community and the practice is like a check-in and there's an opportunity to say or to, to remind yourself that there's something bigger than your momentary life Mm -hmm. that you're committed to. I've heard more than a few places recently, like 
that if you if you want to be creative, like you have to meditate. Like good luck being creative if you don't meditate. <laughs> Is that right? true? Yeah, yeah. I can believe this. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to make that space. Right? Yes. You do. You have to drop. And you know, um, we didn't get to those questions, but I think so much of, you know, being creative or looking for inspiration or um, being good at anything is showing up hmm. and doing it even yep. when you don't feel like it and yep. really growing your skill and discipline and meditation does that as well. Mm. But I, but it's, you know, we're, one of the things I also like is um, a reverence for silence mm -hmm. and a reverence for quieting your mind mm -hmm. because we live in a world now that is all about almost making as much noise as you can Pretty much. and drawing as much attention to yourself as you can. And so having something that is um, a counterpoint to that and growing that discipline has been really helpful in clearing, you know, understanding what is important to me. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Um, thank you so much for sharing everything. That's 20 questions. We made it. That's great. And thanks, it, Aaron. It's easy, right? Yes. Um, yeah, it was great to like chat with you and, and we, 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 we chat a lot. We've been friends for a long time, but it's cool to like kind of like um, dig a little deeper in, into your process. So. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think when you first asked me, I was like, what could I possibly have to say? Yeah. But like so many things, it was a nice opportunity for me to reflect on, you know, what's important. What would I want to share right. with others about, you know, what's beautiful in this world? Yeah. So hopefully listeners appreciate the, yes. the effort you put into those answers and um, we'll, we'll keep it going and, you know, there'll be more episodes. So yeah. Thanks, Thanks again. Aaron. <laughs>